Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning. Thankful for the opportunity. Uh, we've known Pastor N.R. and Sarah. Uh, well, since they were married, we were at their wedding. Uh, so, it's been about 50 years, I guess. So. Uh, I know why y'all keep it dim back there. You 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 don't want to look at him, but I'm a lot better looking if y'all want to turn the lights up. But uh, that's all right. It's good, uh, good to have my niece uh, Heather, who grew up. No, I was just kidding about the lights. I was just kidding. Oh Lord! <laughs> well, proof's in the pudding, isn't it? <laughs> Good to have my niece Heather and her husband Dwayne. Heather grew up in this church. Uh, they were married here about 25 years ago. Uh, so it's good to have them visiting with us. My sister Sherry Blackwell, Daryl Blackwell, some of you remember. And we've been here a couple times, visited several times, preached a couple times before. Uh, we're Whitney fans. Uh, we claim her. Uh, we just feel like we want to be connected to her when she stands before the Lord. And uh, that's the only way I know to put it. So uh, uh, even though her daddy put me in debt several years ago, we're still uh, Whitney fans. We always love to see Madison and hate that Heath will always have to live with the knowledge that I hugged her first. I knew Madison before he did, so... Um, we're glad to see her again. We always like to. Now, see, Patrick back there. My, mine and Patrick's path crossed a few years ago. He may not even remember. And uh, uh, but I told him then his wife was too pretty for him. And y'all agree, don't you, uh, Rick and Tris? Huh? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you have a Bible, I think I got everything said I need to say. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. i tell you what I could use is a bottle of water. I didn't bring one. Is there a bottle? Scott's going to get it, so. He thinks that's going to make us even after him putting me in debt, but it's not. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, some of you know what we've been going through as a couple. Some of you may not. Uh, so it's, it's been a while. It's only the second time I've preached since February. Uh, and I said that here one time and preached about an hour and a half. Uh, but I'm not going to do that today. I've, I've learned better. Uh, it took us a lot longer to get to the restaurant doing that. So I, I, I don't want to do that today. But I'm going to wait on that bottle of water. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 58. Where'd you come? Where'd you come from? Thank you. I'm just going to read one verse, then stay there, because I'm going to turn back to the beginning of the chapter. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, we ask your blessings on this reading and uh, the continued reading of your word. We thank you for this praise and worship that has brought us into your presence. We ask now, Lord, that you to bless this message. 
Father, may it touch the hearts that you have designed for it to touch. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think you would agree, to some extent, without going into specifics, that our nation is in trouble. Uh, our nation has changed. It is not the country I grew up in. Uh, our values, what we deem important, what we can trust, who we can count on has been destroyed, basically. Uh, we're not very much of a free nation anymore. Uh, young people growing up today will never know the freedoms uh, that you that are around our age, my age, will know. Uh, I won't go into details because that, those are personal opinions of how you value things in this country. But it has changed. Uh, it's It's remarkable to see the things that we are doing today uh, that we never imagined. Walking in a store with a mask on. Uh, I had a lady, I wanted a Batman Joker's mask. And a lady bought me, she, she ordered it for me. And uh, I wore it to Walmart one day. And uh, a lady who was in a wheelchair, she just shouted real loud, Well, praise the Lord, somebody with a smile. I meant for it to be scary. But she was just so happy to see a smile, she rejoiced at the joker's smile. And that's how we are. Now, you may not ever wear a mask, or you may wear one everywhere you go. Uh, uh, I've been told I look better in one. Uh, but uh, So, I wear mine most all the time. Now, uh, but who would have thought that's where we would be as a country? Yet that's where we are. And uh, we don't know who to trust. They want some. Maybe you've had the shot. Maybe you haven't. I don't I don't really care. That's up to you. I've had the shot. Uh, uh, and uh, I don't feel a bit convicted about it. In fact, uh, I read the Scriptures, having done all to stand, then stand. I didn't feel like I had done all to stand till I took the shot. Now, that's how I felt. You can... Take it or don't take it. It didn't make any difference. But who would have ever thought we'd be here? To where families are dividing, churches are dividing, people uh, in groups are falling apart and taking sides over such things as what we are today. Whose business is it? We're supposed to be free. But the church... Is not the same today. Whether you would agree or disagree, those of you who've been in church your whole life, most of you would have to admit that the church of today is very different from what you were brought up in. Things have changed. I mean, things are just different. We're trying to do everything we can to stay relevant. Yet it seems like we fall further and further behind. Lost people, what we call lost people, don't come to church anymore. 
They don't come to revivals. Most churches don't even have revivals. When I was pastoring, I quit having revivals because it was embarrassing to bring an evangelist in and you could hear the echo from the empty seats. Most people are Sunday morning and done. That's the church culture we are today. Now, growing up, probably none of you would have ever thought that. But that's where we are today. Things change. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's different. But the church is struggling in America today. The church is struggling to remain relevant because we have made claims and proclamations that we have not been able to back up. And COVID proved that. I didn't come intending to say that. But here I am and I have the mic. COVID changed the face of the church. Because one Sunday morning, we were singing, I shall not be moved. And the next Sunday morning, we was out in the parking lot. We were, we moved. I did. I moved to the parking lot. Everybody I know moved. Why? Because COVID changed us. It awakened us. It became real and we become afraid. Even though we preach fear not. Change the face of the church. Many people are still not back. And that clock back there is 20 minutes fast, isn't it? Many people are still not back. And many will never be back. I don't know whether it was a joke, but I saw that today was National Come Back to Church Day because you go everywhere else and do everything else. Is it? I mean, 50,000 people at a football game yesterday. None of them had masks on. But we're afraid to come to church. So the church has changed. We're, we're not as appealing. But here's my reasons. That I'm saying this. Our country's changed because our country's got off track from what we were founded on. Our country is off track. And we don't have anybody trying to get us back on track, but we have a bunch of people trying to lay new tracks. And we need to get back on the track that we were founded on 200 plus years ago. And that's with the Bible in every home. Christianity taught in the schools. Babies staying in the wombs for nine months. But we're off track and the list could go on and on. Well, I got news for you this morning. The church is off track. And when I pastored, I preached like this. The church is off track. The church is deceiving itself, thinking that we are headed in the right direction. We are off track. And we've got to get back to what this book says for us to do before we can see things happen as God intends them to happen. We've got convinced our buildings have to be full or we're not successful. That's not true. Our buildings are intended to be full. They're training centers. But we've made them home. And we come, we sit in the same pew every Sunday. Somebody's in your pew. You look at them funny. 
I've been there. I asked somebody to get out of my seat one time. And, uh, and you know, it took two or three minutes to get back in her wheelchair and move, but she did. I know how you feel. That's your territory. That's where your buns fit. The seed is molded for you. But this is not supposed to be a place of comfort. This is supposed to be a place where we send out and preach the message. I want to talk about that message back in the first part of 1 Corinthians. Paul was writing to this church that was off track. The, being off track's nothing new. The Corinthian church was way off track. They thought they were it. They thought they had all the goods. They thought they were the model of Christianity. Much like we do today. Yeah, we may never admit it, but we think we've got the goods. That we've got it figured out. And if you really want to go to heaven, you got to be like us. That's the way this church was. It was off track. And Paul says this, first verse. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Wouldn't that be nice to hear the gospel again? Which I preached unto you, which you also received, and wherein you stand. In other words, this is where you take your stand, is with the gospel. Now, there's only one gospel. There's not a health gospel. There's not a prosperity gospel. There's not a riches gospel. There's not a healing gospel. There's only one gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and Paul's about to tell them what it is. There's only one message for the church, and it hasn't changed. He said, by this gospel, by which also you are saved. If you're saved today, and I can't make that call, but if you are, it's because of the gospel. It's not because of you. Now, I'm going to meddle a little bit. And it may be another four or five years before NR lets me come back. He's getting old. He forgets. But we've created a gospel in this country that doesn't exist, and I'm going to offend you. You know, I'm that type. I'll warn you when the offense is coming. And it's coming. We preach that you get to accept Jesus by a sinner's prayer. There's no such thing in Scripture. Now, I can tell you the history of it. I can tell you where it come from. It's very funny. You know how churches see something go on in the world and they'll latch on to it and make it work in the church? Is, is there anybody else but me here? You know, we're, we're notorious for bringing the ideas of the world into the church trying to grow a church. I went to a church growth seminar. A man guaranteed if I give him this much money, he'd double my church in two years. When I left, he said, aren't you going to sign up? I said, no. Told him to his face. I said, no. 
He said, why don't you want your church to double? I said, not like this. Not by bringing the world's methods into the church. If God wants the church to double, He'll double it. It's not my church. It's not my building. But we told a man named Charles Finney, you've probably heard of him, was using the church for a town meeting. For a town meeting. And he wanted volunteers. And you know how it is to get volunteers. If you ask somebody, raise your hand, raise your hand if you volunteer. What they're really doing is saying, may I be excused. <laughs> so rather than have them raise their hand, they had this big project in town. He said, I want all the people that's going to help. I want you to stand up out of them pews and come down front. Let everybody see your commitment. Well, they did. And he admitted, I thought, that worked good in the church. That's where altar calls come from. From a town meeting. And we as pastors, we're devastated. We give altar calls, nobody moves. And we think it's us. But it's not a procedure that we're instructed to use. We brought the world into the church trying to get people up front because we think, bless God, if somebody will come to the front, I must be doing something right. And the church continues to say it. Why? Because they've been there 30 years. They've heard every message on sin and every message on everything else that's ever going to be preached. You ain't got nothing to move them up front. But that's how we feel. Why? Because we've been programmed. Come up front. And when you get here, make a decision. Now some of you, I hope you go, don't just get mad at me. Go home and study it. That's not scriptural. The decision's not yours. The decision is His. Because Jesus said, no man can come unto the Father unless the Spirit draw him. And you're not born again unless the Father chooses to reveal the Son to you. Just like He did Peter on top of the mountain when all twelve of them were there, but Peter was the only one who got the revelation. You are saved when God reveals His Son to you. You don't get to choose. Now, I know that goes against everything in the world we've ever heard, and I'm way off my message. Not really. That's the gospel. He said, if you keep in, in memory what I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. Believed. is the key word. And you can't believe unless God gives you the faith. Listen, your salvation has nothing to do with you. It's all Him. And do you realize how blessed you are to be here today having that knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And we're praying for people out there wondering why they won't come to church. I don't understand why they won't come to church. I raised them. I taught them right. I showed them the way. But when God reveals the Son to them, And the Spirit draws them, and not before. 
For I delivered unto you first of all. This is the message. First of all. Paul's saying first, foundational. This is what you got to hear. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We have forgotten that Christ died for our sins. Because we've been told He died for us a Cadillac. He died for us a beach home. He died for us money in our pockets. He died for us a good wife or a good husband. No, He died for one reason and that is our sins. We don't talk about that anymore. You want to know something else? We're going to go just a little deeper. Stir it up just a little bit more. It's because we don't even know what sin is. Oh, we're Pentecostal homeless. Sin's chewing that tobacco. Smoking them cigarettes. Got them tattoos on your body. That's sin. Committing adultery. That's sin. And all these other things that we're good at pointing fingers at. Shame on you. We've, we've missed it. How many, we sung about a holy God. Let me ask you something if you got courage today. You who are saved, you who are saved, you think you could stand right now in the presence of that holy God we just sung about? I get too many people say, boy, when I get to heaven, first thing I'm going to do is ask God some questions. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to fall on your face before Him. And you're going to realize how useless and worthless you really are compared to a holy God. And the only reason you are there is by His grace that He took your sin on Him and gave you His righteousness. That's the only way you'll be there is in the righteousness of Christ, not yours. You can't quit sinning. Quit fooling yourself. Anybody here without sin today? You want me to turn the magnifying glass on? Because I will. I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, you may not be committing a big three or four. But what are you leaving out? What are you doing? Are you really ready right now to stand before God and say, I am clean and I am holy like you are? Well, what is sin? Folks, we believe sin is what generations before us have told us it is. Because we've been told since we left the Catholic Church, because we're still more Catholic than you want to believe, and you don't want to get me started on that. We are. We're just as Roman Catholic almost as we ever were. All we did is quit calling Pope, the Pope and Cardinal, and we call them pastors. We still run it pretty much the same way. Oh, I'm in trouble. Sin. What is sin? 
Sin means to miss the mark. Most of you probably know that. It, it means to miss the mark. In other words, every one of you here today have missed the mark and fell short of the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I still miss the mark. I still... I can't win. I can't hit the mark. When I get up every day, it may be my ambition. Today is the day that I am going to hit the mark where God is concerned in my life. But then that hammer will hit my thumb when I'm driving that nail. And oh, you know what I mean? And if I bite my tongue, I drive my hammer through the side of the house or something to vent my frustration. That's, that's, that's me being who I am. See, we think we're something special because we've got this banner over us, but really we're still sinners saved by grace. Sin means we miss the mark. Take it a little deeper. It means the mark that it's talking about is the glory we were created in. When Adam sinned, he fell from the glorious position God created him to be. And because of that, now see, Bible lesson, we go around telling everybody that we're made in God's image. The Bible doesn't say that. Adam was. Then if you read on in Genesis, it says the generations that came after Adam were created in Adam's image. Read it in Genesis. Folks, if you and I are God's image, oh, he's wrong. I'm going to get my Bible out and look look it up. It's right there after that. That when he began to get Adam and Eve began to give birth to children, they had their children in Adam's image. What was Adam's image when he had children? He had fell from that glorious position. He was a sinner. He missed the mark. He missed the mark. He got arrogant. I know we think Ezekiel and Isaiah is talking about the devil, but it's, it's really talking about the king of Babylon. It's talking about Adam. Who once the devil tempted him, or the serpent, don't even really even say the devil tempted him, just says the serpent tempted him. To become like God, there was a mountain in Eden that reached up to heaven, and Adam said, now I'm going to send up to the mountain, and I'm going to be like the Most High. He then lost his glory. He thought he could be God. He can't. Because he fell from where he was created. And no matter how hard you try, you'll never reach where you were created to be in this life. Jesus said this, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Folks, you're an old wineskin. I know you're not used to preachers calling you names. But you're just a bunch of old wineskins because you can't hold the new wine. But Ephesians 1.16 says God's given us a little bit. 
of our inheritance in the Spirit of God. Just a little bit. A down payment is what earnest means. God has given you a down payment. He's put His seal on you. He's marked you because one day you won't be an old wineskin. You'll be a new wineskin. And He can pour that glory and replace you with that value that you were created to be so that you can live eternity with Him. But it can't happen here because you were created in Adam's image and Adam was a sinner when he gave birth to the, or when Eve gave birth to the first or conceived the first son. You can't have it in this world. It's not for this world. Oh goodness, I better hurry. I'm about to get to my sermon. I preached here one time, I preached an hour and a half. And I hadn't preached for two months then, and I told him I felt like I was sermon constipated. I really needed to preach. I said that here. And after an hour and a half of preaching, some guy come up to me and said, Well, brother, I don't know if you're here, if you said, if you even remember. He said, Well, brother, at least you can say you found relief. That's true. Folks, I just want you to see we got to get back on track. Just realize you're a sinner. You, you say, but I've been told not to say that. Well, listen, what makes you a football player? Cleats, helmet, shoulder pads, and a pigskin. If you've got that on pretty much, I'm going to say you're a football player. Well, is there anybody here totally free from sin? Well, I don't drink no more. I ain't cussed in a week. I don't have too many grudges that I hold. Well, at least I ain't as bad as Sister Bucketmouth over there. Paul even wrote, don't compare yourself to one another. The only standard we can compare ourselves to is Christ. And until you equal His glory, you're just as in need as anybody. There's no level. But boy, I tell you, we feel good when we point fingers, don't we? Have... At least the Lord delivered me from them cigarettes. There's probably still smoking behind the barn. Yeah, the Lord took HBO away from me. It's because you didn't pay your cable bill. I ain't dipped snuff in 30 years, but I'd kill for a dip run. No, folks... You can try as hard as you want to. You're never going to attain the glory Adam had before he sinned. Before he missed the mark. Before he woke up that morning and made the mistake that defined humanity. And you're a part of that humanity. The only difference between you, me, and the others out there is we have this knowledge. We believe this message that Christ died 
for my sins. Christ took everything I'm ever going to do. I hadn't committed the first sin when Christ died on the cross. You hadn't either. But He still died for it because He took the sins of the world. And we think we're going to win the world by telling them how bad they are. We think we're going to win what we call sinners by telling them how bad their sins are. And they look at you and say, who are you? To point the finger at me. Because we don't have that authority, only Christ can. And when Christ had the golden opportunity, He told the woman, just listen, I'm not going to condemn you. Just go and strive to hit the mark. Just strive. That's all He asked. Then he was buried. Christ was buried. No big deal, right? Yes, it was. It was the biggest deal of the day. Because Romans did not allow criminals to be buried. Jesus' body was supposed to be taken off the cross and thrown in Gehenna. That's the valley outside Jerusalem where they burnt trash and burnt criminals. That's where his body was supposed to have been thrown. It was against the law, Roman law, to bury anyone who was crucified. Yet Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and got the favor of God. And Pilate, who was an evil man, said yes. Was that Pilate saying yes? No! It was the divine will of God. Jesus had to be put into a tomb. Because a seed can't burst forth until it goes into the ground and dies. That's what the scripture said. Jesus had to be buried and they gave, Pilate gave him Jesus' body which was unheard of. And he was buried in a tomb. Then Pilate realizing he goofed, sent guards to make sure nobody comes steal the body. But you can't change the divine will of God. You can't pray away the divine will of God. You can pray all day long that a falling away is not going to occur, but it's going to occur. And i got to ask you something today. I'm just as plain as I can be. you got two choices. We're in the end times. We know that. But all over the airways, people are prophesying a great revival. But the Bible says there will be a great falling away, and you got to choose which one you want to believe. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Because we're seeing the falling away. We're living in the midst of it. And we're waiting on a big revival to bring the masses in that the book says nothing about. Jesus was buried and then He rose again on the third day. According to the Scriptures. Jesus had to raise from the dead. Why? He had to conquer death. What is the wages of sin? Death. Jesus took the sin of every human being ever walked upon this earth and will walk, took it on His back to the cross and suffered the penalty for that. Death, but it couldn't hold Him. 
Because he himself was pure and holy and without sin. And the Spirit of God on the third day breathed a new life into our Savior and He rose from the dead. And at that moment, every sin you've ever struggled with was conquered. Now, I don't quite see it that way, preacher. It, it don't really matter. It was conquered. John said Jesus died for our sins, not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. Wow. What are we supposed to do then? Tell them this message. This is what Whitney's going to do in South Africa. She's going to tell the people over there that's never heard it, hey, there's hope outside of this life. The gospel is not your best life now. And if you're a Joel Osteen fan, I don't apologize. You're not promised your best life now in this world. Your best life awaits you on a day called resurrection morning. When the Lord Himself shall descend with a shout. And the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then we who remain are going to be called up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. That's the day we're waiting on. If you're waiting on your train to come in, your rich uncle to get out of the poorhouse to win the lottery or whatever you're waiting on now, this world can't give you any hope. This world's not your home. It's just not. Jesus rose from the dead. And at that moment, eternal life. John said, in Him is eternal life. That's the message the world needs to hear. But we don't preach it anymore. People don't like to be told they're sinners because 30 years ago, some TV evangelist corrected our language and says, no, don't call yourself a sinner. But as long as you miss the mark, that's what you are. The only difference is, and it's the major difference, is you have this knowledge that Jesus bore that sin on the cross. And He rose from the dead and it could not hold Him. And He bestowed upon you His righteousness. So when God looks at, oh Lord, here I come. Listen, when God looks at me, when God looks at the people out there that aren't living like you think they should, yet they're clothed in that same righteousness, He don't see the the, the immorality or the things that we call sin and like to point fingers out. He sees the righteousness of His Son. I'm sorry, folks, that's what the Scriptures say. That's what it teaches us. Paul said, Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. Now, the TV evangelists have, have had problems with that one verse. Because Paul admits to being a sinner after he was changed. So, Lord, they got some pretty good explanations. Paul was confused. Or Paul hadn't been taught better. Yet we learn from Paul. 
you're going to miss the mark. Somebody's going to pull out in front of you to stop sign, and you're going to miss the mark. <laughs> you're not going to pray a blessing on them. You're going to tell them they're number one. Yeah. Daggone it. Yes, somebody's going to bump your buggy at Walmart and cut in front of you. Yeah, you're going to lay hands on them suddenly. Yeah. Listen, life has a way of waking you up and showing you where you really are. I'm going to quit. About 30 minutes. Life has a way of showing you where you are. Folks, COVID showed the church where it is. Listen, I'm just as blunt as I can be. Uh, and I'd say this, if, if this was a church I was pastoring, COVID come out and Benny Hinn canceled healing crusades. Is anybody else in here? Do you not find that odd? COVID came out and Benny Hinn canceled all his healing crusades. Kenneth Copeland at Eagle Mountain Church shut his own church down because of COVID. Man wouldn't give his financial reports to the government, but the government said COVID might get you, and he shut his church down. COVID showed us what we're made of. Ooh. COVID showed us what we were made of as a church in this country. Preacher stood up against it, rebuked it, called it, and died from it. And listen, if you've been spared from it, it's <laughs> you better give thanks to God. Because I doubt very much it was your faith. Because there have been great people of faith struck down by it. I'm just real. We're off track. We've made promises that we can't deliver. I I got to tell you this one, then I swear I'm going to quit. See, I say dumb things, so I thrive on the dumb things other people say. So a few years ago, I was watching the Inspiration Network, which is now the Bonanza Network. Now, uh, David Sorrell is replaced by Hoss Cartwright. And they had as a guest speaker this guy, Mike Murdoch. I know people, Millie says, honey, I wish you wouldn't name names. But I enjoy it too much. And you know, Mike, he's got these wisdom keys. I I wrote my own set of wisdom keys. I couldn't get rich off of them, but my first one is, if you don't want to get hit by a truck, get out of the road. I mean, they don't have to be biblical. His aren't. I, I feel a festering. Y'all got a back door in this church. 
you know. So he was on the inspirational network. You remember, sell a thousand, get a hundred thousand. Some of you probably still waiting on that harvest. Sow a thousand and God will give you a hundred thousand because his scripture. No, it's not. Only if you twist it to say that. So they're on there and they're having camp meeting. Oh, praise God for camp meeting. Sowing them thousand dollar seeds and they're coming all around the world. And a few months go by and I happened to cross it again and they both were sitting there. And they said they had begun to get some correspondence from people that had sown the thousand dollar seed, but wasn't getting their harvest. So they went to the Lord in prayer, talked to Jesus, and said the Lord told them, said, Brother David, Brother Mike, so many people responded. I'm overwhelmed. God was overwhelmed, Nathan. He said, I'm overwhelmed with all the thousand dollar seeds trying to come up with all these hundred thousand dollar harvests. That's what God told them. That's what their God told them. <laughs> Not mine. Cause the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof of the God I serve. He not overwhelmed because you gave a little too much money. He can't figure out how to bless you. Hey, he's up in heaven. He walking around. Dear God, Jesus, Gabriel, I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Look at all these thousand dollar seeds. I'm overwhelmed. I, I got them in Bulgaria. I got them in Florida. I got them in Blue Well. I got them everywhere. He said, so the Lord told them. Have the people, while they're waiting on their hundred thousand dollar return... To sow a tide me over seed. Their words. Sow something smaller that I can get to right now. It's what the Lord... Folks, are you kidding me? And we buy that stuff and we bottle that stuff and we even bring it into our pulpits and try to sell it and all alone people are out there. They're hooked on drugs. They're living in adultery. They got lifestyle messed up. They're criminals. They're robbers. They're thieves and they need to hear, yes, you have missed the mark, but there's a man that took that to the cross and you have hope of one day resurrecting from the dead in His righteousness, and the next life will be better than this one. And nobody's telling them that. We just got a church pointing fingers at them. Well, I better quit. I got a hand clap. Have y'all met Madison's dad? I'm sorry. When I was doing an interim at Bain Chapel, where she's from, on Sunday morning I made a mistake of telling them that how long I preach is based on how much water I have. That night I come in, I had half a Dixie cup full. That's what her dad did. He's he's an evil, evil man. Folks, the good news is... 
things. You're not as holy as you think you are. And those we call sinners are not as dirty as we accuse them of being. The only difference is we've heard the message. I stood over there in Israel on that mountain where Jordan and Syria and Israel and they had that 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 tomb, that pit, the gates of hell is an actual living pit that children used to be sacrificed in. And Jesus was standing there when He said, the gates of hell, He wasn't talking about a burning inferno. He was talk, He was standing there pointing at that, where they were sacrificing them babies. And that's when He said, who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist rose from the dead. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. God revealed it to him. And Jesus looked at them and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. But my Father's revealed this unto you. And I say unto you that you are Peter, you're a gravel. And Jesus was a rock. He said, I say unto you, you are Peter, you're just a little rock. You're just a little pebble. But on this rock, this rock, Him, the cornerstone, I will build my church. And within my church, stupid stuff like the gates of hell, where people are sacrificing babies, will not prevail. We are destined to be overcomers. We've been given the commission to take the gospel to the world. God bless you, Whitney, and others and the uh, uh, the blacks back here who sacrificed so much to go and do that. Bless them. We That's our call. That's our commission is to help take the gospel to the world. Not to tell them that Jesus died to give them a Cadillac, but Jesus died to give them eternal life. Life will wake you up. Most of you, some of you know, Millie and I lost our second son in June. We only had two kids. We lost one five years ago in June and one this June. Almost to the day, five years apart. He grew up in this church, in the youth group. Our our youngest son did. And when you get that kind of cold water thrown in your face, in the face of church, in the face of polity, I could not care less about the political landscape. Oh, now, preacher, you ain't supposed to. I don't care. I don't care who's in the White House because my king's on the throne. And, 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 and my God don't need a Democrat or a Republican to do what he wants to do for me. When you have that kind of cold water thrown in your face, you realize how important the gospel is. You realize how important it is to let people know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and He rose again on the third day. And when He did that, He conquered He conquered sin for you. Even for this young man right here who married way up. Even for this young man right here, Jesus died for him. So that he could have a chance to hit his mark. Knowing he was going to fail, but he said, don't worry, Heath. I'm going to take those failures past and future 
and I'm going to put my righteousness on you. And when you goof and my father looks down on you, he's going to think it's me. If I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be shouting about now. Listen, that's the message. Three years ago, I got frustrated preaching. I was pastoring French's Chapel in Dublin, Virginia. I just said to the Lord, I'm never preaching again anything apart from the cross and Calvary. I'm tired of trying to impress people. I'm I'm tired of studying all week long trying to find a nugget that's going to stir my congregation. I have dug before, dug for nuggets, dug for things that I know people never heard before in their life. And I think, my God, when I say that, the church is going to erupt. And I say it and they go, oh gosh. Stand with me. Y'all come back and lead us in a worship song to close this out. If you want to come around this altar and pray, that's fine. You're invited. If you have a need for special prayer and you want me or the elders of this church to pray for you, that's fine. You're invited to come to the front of this church. You just want to come and talk to Jesus and say, Lord, is anything that man said true? Come and talk to Jesus. But don't leave here like you came. Don't leave here like you came. Because you don't have to. You don't have to. You can be encouraged in the Lord. Be encouraged in Him. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this day and this privilege. We thank You for the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb. And the promised hope of Your return. We thank You, Lord. We live for that. We yearn for that. We long for that. Bless us as we leave this place shortly, Lord. To do Your will. To tell somebody today that Jesus loves them. Even if we just show them, Lord. To let the world know that we've all missed the mark. And all they need to know is their hope. And hope's in a man called Jesus. Thank you, Lord.